Start streaming. Yeah. Start the theme tune. So, hello. We're not live yet. <laughs> just go ahead just so you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at like uh, speech volume on OBS, and that's all in the yellow, yours and mine. Uh, but that theme tune goes right into the red. Does it? Is it super loud, is it? Uh, yeah, our D-Live It's hot. Ah, that's it. We can go live on YouTube now. Uh, so, yeah, our D-Live listeners heard the theme tune. So did our... Oh. Let me check, let me check. Our Periscope watchers as well have been, have been able to hear the theme tune, but our YouTube listeners haven't. Well, what's what's the Periscope link? Because that's the one I want to share on um, on. Um, no, I think you have to look Twitter. at my Twitter. All right, I'll go on. I'll go on your Twitter and then I'll share it because yeah. I, I think this will be a, a good way to uh, to do things. Yeah. So, so whilst we do that, I learned we try, something. We try out new tech people. <laughs> to our listeners, we're trying out some new tech, um, and I'm trying to restream and stuff. And apparently, we're live on Periscope. I don't know whether anyone can check that for us. Going as smooth as it your, normally your, is. Your homepage points to on Twitter patrioticalternative.org.uk. <laughs> yeah, I need to change that. That was that was a gag that's last that's gone on for too long. Yeah, I was going to say it's um. You're the uh, so let me see what ah live now. No, that's what big tunes that's from a while ago. No, I, I don't see um it on uh Periscope. Was it media maybe? No, not media. Oh, never mind. I'll just put the YouTube link. I mean, that always works, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick the YouTube link. Yeah. So, I, I as today is the um the 10th of September, and it's the 9th thought, of November tomorrow. <laughs> yes, it's November tomorrow. That's that is correct. It's one of those d days where I feel it's like it's worth talking about about bombings, and not just because of the film Brazil, which I refused to watch again because it gave me a headache. I haven't watched that for years. I watched it like when I was a kid. Do you remember like the the panels filled with like wires and pipes, and it's all very complicated looking? gave me a headache yeah so the um the today is one of those days when it's worth talking about uh bombings what have changed the uh, the course of history i'm mean, gonna do that in a bit there's a to, uh, right, unsolved pistories yes got to do our usual uh, warm warm opening i believe we called it 
uh, yeah, I mean, you're going to tell me about uh, Harry Hill's TV program. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah, a great new TV show I've been watching. It's Harry Hill, Harry Hill's World of TV, where each week he does like a different subject. So so far, I've watched um, documentaries, medical TV series, and the soaps. And then he shows like funny bits. You know, it's like TV burp, but like it focuses on one subject. Oh, okay, that that's probably good. Because Kay from Case Good Cooking was was on that as well. Um, God, that's weird. It really is weird. That's funny because that's that's that silly app is telling me that I'm live on Periscope. Hmm. And I'm working, but I can't actually find the feed anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I may yeah. or may not, I may or may not be live on Periscope. Does anybody know how to find me? On well, Periscope? we're live, we're live somewhere, and I don't, yeah. I can't see you on Periscope. So if well, I if guys, Periscope works. I just did it for a gag. Neither do I. So all I can say is that um, if the guys on the YouTube chat, which I am, which I can see, tell me if it works on Periscope or any of the other sites. <laughs> if, which anybody I don't look the at. if anybody has the foggiest, though, Periscope works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've got not much um, chat going on, or is it my. No, there isn't. There's 12 people watching. Stash Prada and English Scion yeah, are there. Stash. So evening Stash. Uh, need to get you back on again sometime. Two- we always have a good chat with Two down votes from Mark Collett and Nora Tarver. Yeah. Yeah. An yeah. English Scott Skion who will who loves a bit of air law. Does he now? He loves playing air oh. law. It's not Cass, but he seems to be a big a bit of a big fan of Cass. Yeah. Unreal Tournament was more my cup of tea. Unreal Court. So yeah. Um It's I, I mean oh, I, have I watched any? T- oh, I saw the Orville recently. I, I think I mentioned that oh, yeah. a couple of times before. The second series is, I think, a lot better than the first series. It feels less like Seth MacFarlane, more like actual Star Trek. Yeah, um, I think, so I think, I think a, Brandon... a second series is always better than a first series, isn't it? Because I think <clears throat> I think you need the first series to get the things in the right. Like I, I never, th- I never thought much to Bender in the early Future Armors. It wasn't until later on where he kind of really found his feet, was it? Well, mind you, and there's there's certain shows like Game of Thrones or Lost where it starts off really good and then gets rubbish and or Sopranos. Yeah, that's it. Or even it's just sort of case like I think Network is a good example of that. It's it's a film, it's not a series, but it sort of starts off really good and then he's just like he's just another T V pundit like Rush Limber. Limbarg? Yeah. yeah. yeah so Limbar. Limbar, I think Limbar. Limbarg. Limbach. Yeah. <laughs> Limbach. I found I found out you can't actually put out to ten eighty P to uh, YouTube Live. Is that so? Yeah, I have to put out put it out yeah. at seven twenty. I thought I thought now I've got a decent internet connection. I'll start throwing this thing out in HD, but no, you can't. Well, that's the thing. I've been looking on on OBS for like settings because I want to stream in ten eighty p maximum settings. But the most I can do is four eighty p, and then I go on on YouTube Studio. And it's like waiting for a live signal. I'm just like, oh, sod this. I'll record it and upload it you later. You can do it seven twenty p on uh, OBS. 
Well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't see the options in OBS, and I've set OBS um, to 1080p, but yeah, it doesn't I do that. that but, it so. it, but it said it weren't happy. If uh, you're no, listening no, to the show, I, I, I set the settings to, to 1080p in um, OBS, and then YouTube says it said it wasn't happy. Ah, so if you're listening to the show now, welcome to 14 Words, where we're talking about the 9th of November, also known as the 10th of September, as in that day which got buried in the news cycle for whatever reason. Well, so the, yeah, the inconvenient things, uh, what happened on the 10th of September got forgotten about. And I'm sure there's plenty of news on the 10th of September, but one of the big things... oh. Man, I really want to get into this content. I, uh, well, let's, let's, you, let's, you know, let's get stuck into some unexplained history, shall we? Yeah, yeah, we we can do that. We can you know do what that. Um, 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 is? Uh, that sounds made up. So no. I'm um, 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 so it gained worldwide yeah. attention back in October 2017 after sci- scientists determined that it was the first confirmed visitor from a distant solar system. Since then, se- se- several, several theories have been put forward to explain exactly what type of object... Oh, fuck. What's that drink called? Bongo Bongo. Umbongo. Um, umbongo. Umbongo. Umbongo might, might be, including a comet and astro... I'll keep changing it. It might be amusing. Uh... An asteroid, an ice, a hydrogen iceberg, and even an alien vessel. Scientists, however, have struggled to agree upon a single answer. Normally, don't, don't they normally just have one head scientist says, you know, that's what it is, uh, everybody, that's what it is, even though it may not be. Yeah. You know, like they do with, uh, with uh, climate science. And vaccines, and yeah. uh, the 5G. So... I um I'm looking at this and I, I'm trying to remember what the name of it is, but uh, there was an asteroid which was observed coming into our solar system, and then it it appears it appeared to move on a vector which you wouldn't expect from slingshots, and it, it's understood pretty well now how how like a um a slingshot. A piece of rock will fall towards the sun and then swing out, and it did not behave in that way. Iron Duke and says Nicaragua never did nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this this uh, this death by Mau Mau asteroid yeah. did nothing neither. Yeah. Uh, this, but this this asteroid was unusual in the fact that a lot of people are saying, well, the only way it could have done that is if it had its own uh, engine to propel it somehow. And I thought to myself, if I was going to make a, an alien space probe to visit other planets, I think the best thing I could do is make it look and behave like an asteroid. At least, at least we've got another another uh, fake reason. So it's a cosmic dust bunny. It's not an it's not it's not an alien spaceship. It's a cosmic dust bunny. Yeah, yeah. Or it's just an unusual <laughs> cigar-shaped asteroid. You know, I mean, there's no. 
it's yeah, it's it's just a cigar-shaped asteroid. It's definitely not somebody making like a ship hull to look like an asteroid. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those. Uh, it's just it's one of the things like, hey, here's some interesting space news. No, here's somebody to shit all over it. <laughs> here's some interesting space news. No, it's not. <laughs> no. Oh, speaking of some interesting space news, no, it's not. Musk, good chance first Mars settlers will die. Oh, based. That's in nice. agony. Slowly. W- will they die of boredom because all they're going to eat is blue-green algae? Yeah. I was working on Musk. Or poo. Is it, what's, what's that Matt Damon thing? Is it poo mushrooms or is it poo potatoes? They're going to eat poo mushrooms, poo potatoes, and poo blue green algae. They're they're going to the first colonizers of Mars are going to be vegan. Yeah, based this week, Starship SN6, a prototype version of the ambitious spacecraft that Musk's hopes will one day carry the first colonists to Mars, completed a successful test flight which involved hopping approximately 150 meters from one pad to another at SpaceX Boca Chica facility. That's a dumb name. I'm going to rename that to Bogner Regis. The flight was an improvement over the previous SN5 test flight, which took place just weeks before. It's certainly no no secret Musk has some seriously ambitious plans for the future that involve not just landing humans on Mars, but building up an entire colony living independently of the Earth. Even he, however, admits that such a feat would be very difficult and very dangerous. Getting to Mars, I think... Oh, hang on. He's... uh, Let's do a voice for him. Getting to Mars, I think, is not a fundamental issue, he said via CNBC. The fundamental issue is beating a beast, beating a society on Mars that is self-sustaining. Wagwam. We are going to build a propellant plant, an initial Mars base, Mars Base Alpha, or that's an imaginative name, and then get it to the point where it is self-sustaining. I want to emphasize this is a very hard mm, and dangerous, difficult thing. If not for the faint of heart, good chance you'll die. It's going to be tough going, but it'd be pretty glorious if it all works out. The timetable of the first man mission to Mars still remains up in the air, with the date having already been pushed back considerably and with no clear target set at the present time. Still, given Mars's past successes in the space sector, it is not outside the realms of possibility that it will eventually succeed in ushering humanity on its next major step towards the stars. Woo. Welcome to the world of tomorrow. Yep, that's it. So, you know it. New species of prehistoric fossil ape unearthed. Is it, is, it, is it saying... Give us reparations. Yeah, it was it was unearthed in a fossilized Wendy's car park. Um, paleontologists have discovered what is thought to be the earliest known ancestor of the modern day gibbon. Unearthed in northern India, the fossil fossil a lower molar. Oh, so they've just got a, got a tooth and they've guessed them. Oh yeah, we got this. We got We got we got a tooth. Yeah, his is like the the creature which would have such a tooth. Oh, but I'll skip the rest of it. Just like the the headline is, even if from now we only have one tooth and thus need to be cautious, this is a unique discovery. It pushes back the oldest known fossil record of gibbons, gibbons by at least five million years, proving that all scientists are just making it up as they go along. Oh no, Pro- providing a much needed <laughs> glimpse into the early stages of their evolutionary history. 
Oh, hey, um, uh, Domino Morgos says uh, potatoes. Potatoes, yeah. Oh, Iron Duke says check out the Sky at Night by Sir Patrick Moore. Uh, I really like Patrick Moore, and he was a very interesting chap. Which, Good if ever we do, his xylophone player, weren't he? He, he liked his xylophone. He liked his British Union of fascists. He was. Uh, oh, did, oh, was, he he a, was he a BUF member then? Was he? Yeah, he he was also. I think he did a prototype UKIP party because BUF kind of got for some reason. Um, BUF uh, weren't right enough for him. Yeah, so he, he made a nationalist party, and yeah, he's a good guy. He's. I think he was kind of grandfathered in because. Most of uh, the BBC couldn't stand him, and they they just put his show on later and later, and eventually got him replaced with the Nuga Booga bitch. Um, but I'm oh, looking yeah, here at Helen's. No, no, I was thinking. Of that. Oh, whatever, you know. She's just somebody who got there because uh, they need to fill up a quota, and it's like uh, let's replace her with somebody that Patrick Moore would be disgusted with. Uh, do you remember this one we did the other week about Forrest Fenn who famously hid a cache, a cache of valuables in the uh, Rocky Mountains? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he died. Yeah. Ah. Oh, well, never mind. Yeah, so I don't know if you can still claim the winnings or not. Speaking of treasure hunt, have you seen this article here? Real oh, life Willy Wonka. Oh, oh. Bit, bit of a. Ultimately, though, just a few months before Fenn himself passed away, the treasure was found. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Ah. Huh. It was under yeah, a canopy of stars in the lush forest forested red vegetation of the Rocky Mountains and had not moved from the spot where I hid it more than 10 years ago, he said. The man who found it reportedly didn't want his identity revealed, but had proved to Fenn that he'd indeed claimed the prize by sending him a photograph of the treasure. So that, that dude's won 3 million. Is your is your dog trying to give us clues about the whereabouts of the treasure? Because have you let him know that it's been found so he's he can been, he can he's relax? Been gobby. I think he's still I think he's still looking for it. So we can do the real life real life Willy Wonka. Let's let's hope yeah, I'm looking at... Let's hope he's not the Tim Burch, Burton Tim Burton version of Willy Wonka where Willy Willy Wonka looked a little bit bit be, bit of a. I the only one I saw was the one with Gene Wilder in it. So yeah, don't, don't um, watch the other one because Willy Wonka is actually quite disturbing in that one, and I don't think you'd leave leave any kids with him. No, no, you wouldn't. The founder of Jelly Belly Jelly Beans is offering up the keys to an actual candy factory to one lucky winner. In Roald Dahl's classic children's book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Go the dog. Yes, a young boy finds a golden ticket in the bar of chocolate and ends up winning eccentric chocolatier Willy Wonka's entire factory. It's like, hey, do you, do you have any experience managing business? No, you don't. Well, here's your reward. Um, now, somebody, someone in the real world will have the opportunity to do the same, albeit with a few differences. Self-proclaimed real-life candy man David Klein, who is the founder of Jelly Belly Jelly Beans, I don't know if you've had them, chat, but they are the most bland pieces of sugar and gelatin I've ever consumed. Oh, just got just really got a couple don't. Of, I, I quite like Jelly Bellies, mm. except for the like weird, but they do do some weird flavours, don't they? I'd rather have uh, Jelly Babies. Um, oh, th those Jelly actually Babies are a good. bit too much for me. I can't eat more than about three at <laughs> sitting. Just, there's something about them that makes me want to puke. Really? Yeah, I, I, I used like to like it when. I like um, um the, the ones which 
Dominic Morgul says, uh, this is a South Park reference, Hobbit. Hemi's dog has got such a clue right now. (laughs) 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 What dog have you got? I've got a staff for you, no. That's that. So, um, you up in the garden to bark, bark all night. <laughs> Do you remember that one? That, uh, yeah, is it? Is that uh, Harry Enfield? <laughs> weren't it? Have you yeah, let's see. Out? Yeah, I've chained him up outside so he'll bark all night. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking of Harry Enfield. There's this sketch he's done in Harry and Paul where about the germaphobe couple and the germaphobe dad, and they, they won't like go to two uh, minutes without like pumping out some sanitizer and rubbing it on their hands and just thought yeah that was ahead of its time um so here we go this um uh self-proclaimed real life canned man david klein who is the founder of jelly belly jelly beans is proclaiming planning a real life treasure hunt involving golden tickets in the form of gold necklaces and the chance to win the keys to an actual candy factory Though not one associated with Jelly Belly, unlike in the book, however, what, this particular trick. Someone had... else's keys away. Is that what? <laughs> so you can break into the competitors and steal all the stock. Is that what it is? Well, yeah, it's just like <laughs> it, it's, it's your chance. To, you know, you could be one of the lucky contestants that can break an enter into this uh, into this uh, factory, and you can steal as many species as you like. Yeah. Um, Oh, actually, speaking of which, just before I go into the rest of the story, there was a... Did you ever watch Tarrant on TV? It was this thing that had before YouTube. Yeah. It did this review of a Russian game show, and this was, like, uh, late, late 90s Do you remember uh, stuff. Do predecessor, Clive... Uh, Clive uh, what was his name? Clive... Clive Anderson, the solicitor. No, not Clive Anderson, the Australian. Clive... Oh, fuck. No. Clive Brucey, Bruce Clive. He used to do that. Do you remember? There was a oh, fuck. There, there was a Japanese show called Endurance, and he used to show clips. All oh, right, that. yeah. Oh, uh, I don't think. I, I think that's the one where they've got like two girls. They got like this cockroach in the tube, and they're trying to blow it in each other's mouth. And the, that's and the sort of stuff they did on it. But like, some of it was even worse yeah. than that. Well, I know it's like I watched Fort Boyard recently, and it was just it was like Fear Factor. It's just. Taking away the games of skill and endurance, and it's just like, yeah, crawl, crawl through these bugs and broken uh, glass. Clive James. And, yeah. It used to be Clive James on TV, used to be on on a Sunday night. I think that uh, used yeah. to be on like after Spitting Image. So it was like really late, that was. Ooh. But he used to do some really funny stuff on there. Yeah. Um, but, so the, the thing is, the, this game show I saw in Russia was like, you have to steal a car and you have to evade the police for half an hour. And uh, if you win, you get the car. I'm not sure how that works. Um, but if you lose, you get arrested and actually sent to prison for theft of a car. Um, it was one of those shows that existed before um, Putin came to power. Uh, sort of stuff Boris Yeltsin would just let happen in his country. So anyway, the first round of the hunt will see participants be given a riddle that we need to solve. Oh, Tarrant on TV first... used to talk about it as well, Endurance. Japanese yeah. TV programme from the 80s. I'm just looking at the Wikipedia. Hmm. So uh, they will need to solve a riddle. 
and be the first to track down the gold necklace in their particular state and win $5,000. Anyone who participates will then have the chance to go for the ultimate prize of a candy factory. With the gold ticket treasure hunt... Unrelated. <laughs> with the gold ticket tr tr what 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 that's what it says that's because it says in the article did it uh, keys to an actual candy factory though not one associated with jelly belly which i think is really weird yeah it's just it's like i'm going to give you the keys to a factory not my factory but <laughs> somebody else's yeah you know some factory i have no claim over <laughs> um somebody else's fact not mine somebody else's factory yeah with the gold uh, ticket treasure hunt, our goal is to get people out and about with their families. Oh, I thought that wasn't allowed anymore, said K Klein. Grandma and Grandpa can even join with the kids and grandkids. Take videos of your treasure hunt experiences for possible inclusion in our upcoming series. Without Oompa Loompas run by a factory, however, it's unclear exactly what responsibilities take position of the grand prize will actually entail. To me, this just sounds like the only person benefiting from this is David Klein with this, this television series and this $50 ticket. David Klein? That's an awful David Klein. That's an awfully David. familiar surname. Yeah. How small is his hat what he wears? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Shall we do some content then? I don't know. I thought we'd talk what about there's a story later on that I want to do. Uh, results of ET Techno Signature Survey revealed. Are you interested? Yeah, okay, do that. Sadly, however, despite surveying over 10 million stars, they found no sign of ET, ET whatsoever. So that'll do that story. No point reading out a whole story just to do that. They no. found a load more coffins in Egypt. Oh, yeah. Archaeologists have discovered 13 ancient Egyptian coffins that have remained untouched since antiquity. No, I think there's a point I should just kind of stop fucking... Then leave these people alone, they're dead. Let them, let them, let them rest in peace, eh? Uh, this, is, this is one of the ones I wanted to do. Plague victim burials hint at zombie fears. Uh, new, new research suggests that some victims of the plague were buried face down to stop them rising from the dead. Over the last few centuries, several burials across Central Europe have been discovered exhibiting an unusual phenomenon. The bodies have been buried face down rather than face up. Uh, it's believed that this practice was originally designed to show mankind's humility to God. However, when the Black Death ravaged Europe, beliefs and attitudes towards the dead started to change. Also, apparently the Gurkhas did it during the, um, during the Falklands War, didn't they? No, buried I didn't know dead, that. Buried half dead face down, so when they try and dig their way out, they don't, they dig down rather than up. Oh, that's weird. That's pretty grim, isn't it? That, that, that's brutal. I mean, can't you just, like, put them out of their misery? Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, the, you know, people keep saying, like, oh, you know, maybe the, the Gurkhas should be allowed here. I'm just like, nah, they're just another violent savage. Maybe they can uh, go and live in, in Spain with all the other expats. Yeah. Uh, the practice has been been observed in Germany, Switzerland and Austria, both dated back as recently as the 17th century, suggesting such fears endured for centuries after the plague was at its worst. Hmm. 
Uh, man spends over two hours at, two hours up to his neck in ice. Oh, uh, I, was, I saw two giant snakes crash through man's ceiling. Oh, we did that last week, didn't I remember? No. What happened last What were we even talking about last week? No, My memory is no. terrible. <laughs> Don't ask me difficult questions like that. Oh, we had the girls <laughs> last week, didn't we? Girls oh. and ghosts. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Oh, here's, here's one. Do we do about miniature Stonehenge AIDS acoustical study? Uh, I'll do that in a sec. I, I'm just, just going to finish this one off. For the, uh, yeah. So this dude, he's Austrian, Joseph Kobel. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm wrong, Hemi, by the way. Oh. Uh, uh, Iron Duke says that the Gurkhas are cool. Yeah. Like, you know, but a bit savage, you know. Yeah. What, what, what's wrong with just like... He remained in the tank for two hours, thirty minutes, and fifty-seven seconds. So how do they do that then? Because surely that's dangerous, isn't it? Well, the thing is that that should cause him to die of hypothermia. Yet for whatever reason, it hasn't. So, so something go is going on there. I don't know what. So Stonehenge has got AIDS now, is it? Is it a bit too many uh, too many hippies down there? It's, got, it? it's got hearing aids. Oh, it's um, hearing aids. Yeah. Well, this miniature Stonehenge AIDS Acoustical Society. For thousands of years, Stonehenge... Oh, wait a minute. Back when the entire monument was intact, Stonehenge had some seriously impressive acoustics. For thousands of years, Stonehenge has dominated the Wiltshire countryside. Yet there remains much we still don't know, especially with regard to what it was like during its prime. New in a renewed effort to determine what's Standing in the centre of the fully completed stone circle, what it sounded like when it's newly built. Researchers in the UK have conducted a new study involving the creation of a miniature model stone edge, a creation not dissimilar to the tiny model stone edge that comically appeared in the spoof movie This Is Spinal Tap. To create it, the researchers used laser scan data and 3D printing technology. Why can't they use like concrete casting? Why is it always to be 3D printing? Uh, one of the one twelve scale still, model. Would it still work to scale though? Would you have to change the uh, pitch of the notes though if you did a scale? Uh... Well, I imagine it's like if you you're going to build a one twelve scale model of of a cathedral, it's just like okay, you've you've made it well done and yeah, but I mean, yeah, it will but, I mean, doesn't wouldn't the size of the um, wouldn't the size of the whatever affect the um, yeah, it will do acoustics. yeah because you've got. You've got a different resonant chamber. It's a smaller resonant chamber. Yeah, exactly. That's why you wouldn't do it on a model then, would you? Well, I mean, the model gives you some indication of what the full-size one would be. Once the one-twelve scale model was complete, they tested its acoustical properties using a series of speakers and microphones which played and recorded various audio samples. The findings suggest that while Stonehenge was unlikely to have been constructed with acoustics in mind, the monument would have nonetheless provided quite significant enhancement of any voice or music within it, a bit like the reverberation found well, in modern a, well, music. I watched a whole program where they studied it, and they said the sound sound within is different from the sound without. Problem is, this will never have been within it. Fucking just fuck scientists. That's what. The problem is, we're never. If you ever speak to a scientist, tell them they're a charlatan. They're just fucking charlatans, <laughs> aren't they? 
It's just like, so, so in other words, you're a con man. It's like, yeah. no, I'm a real scientist. I'm a scientist. I do hard in work. other words, you just fucking make it up as you go along, you cunt. Don't fucking talk. So, is it, as a scientist, yeah, this, like, this no, whole you're. Thing, this whole thing I watched that was that it was some sort, some sort of weird amphitheatre th- vibe where if you were in Stonehenge and speaking within it, you couldn't hear people outside it. It, it was like a weird thing like that, was what there was. So literally, like, one scientist says one thing, then another one says the complete opposite. Well, I mean, so so in other words, scientists are grifters, where they, like, they scam uh, grant money, and uh, yeah. the best scientists are the best con man. Yeah. That's, that's so in other words, you remember, you remember that BBC that's show? That's precisely what I'm going to say about scientists. So you you know um, there was that BBC show called Hustle, yeah, where they're, they're like a bunch of grifters and they're, yeah. they're doing a con. Really, what they should have done is just don lab coats and just when sermons are opening oh, up, shit. it's just like just yeah, put, just just just, just, lab coat and just make shit up, and then and then they can even just, then, then they can do it perfectly legally then, and they wouldn't even have to break the law. Yeah, yeah, it's just you know, it's like we're doing the ultimate grift. <laughs> We're going to get mi- millions of euros for convincing them we got like cold fusion technology or something. Can we, can we start? Can we start the meme? I fucking hate science. <laughs> <laughs> I really am getting to that stage now because you just science these days is absolute. It, it's propaganda for a start. Yeah, but uh, so anyway. Um, Stonehenge has got interesting acoustics, and I can't tell you myself because any time I've been inside Stonehenge, it's been surrounded by hippies who think it's a good idea to get on the stones and jump up and down. Yeah. And uh, you tell them to get off, and they're just like, no, be men, we're having fun. It's like, yeah. Uh, people thousands of years from now would like to have fun. We do ain't care about them, man. So aren't we all one race, the human race, and therefore what you're saying is fuck yourself? Yeah. Hey, stop bashing my buzz. <laughs> so, yeah. So what, do you, what do you think, uh, Stonehenge? And what do you think the henges are? Well, I, I liked it. Uh, I don't know what it what it's for. I mean, you, you can observe certain things that happen in uh, the winter and summer solstices there, where the sun goes through different bits of it. Yeah. Um, apart from that... I don't know. One of the things I will say about these is why do all these sites have to have a road go through them? Why can't they just have a road go to the side so that sites remain un- undamaged? Because like every single stone circle I can think of, I mean, Stonehenge is the exception. They they don't have a, a, a road go through it, but they've got a road right next to it. go under, aren't they? Yeah, that's it. And I'm just thinking to myself, it's like, well, these people must understand ley lines then. And they understand yeah, that if you put roads in it, yeah, is they they want to they want to put like roads underneath is big Stonehenge because it's a UNESCO site, so they can't build a road on it. Yeah. But Roll Rye, Avebury, they've got roads going through them. And also, fuck the pub in the middle of Avebury with its rainbow flags and save the NHS. Well, Stephen James got an interesting point. He said Stonehenge sort of shits all over the idea there was no civilization until the Roman Empire rolled across Europe and tamed the savages. Well, it's, um, it, it's, uh, wow. The thing is, was that civilization or was it giants what built it? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. 
No, no, no. I, I, I know that. I know that what really happened because uh, I was at Stone Stone Edge and there was a yank there, and he said that uh, that uh, the the uh, stones were taken there by truck from Wales. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. And, and he, also, he also explained to his kid that uh, his kid shouldn't have bought a banana. He should have bought something healthy like a burger. Well, he's right. Burger's <laughs> healthier than a banana. I'd rather eat a burger than a banana. Less sugar. Oh, I wouldn't get heartburn from a burger. I would from a banana. Yeah. Well, I was wondering who it was that told me that story. That's me. Uh, do you want to do the case mm. of the mystery body reopened 41 years on? Um, Experts okay. are attempting to solve the mystery of an unidentified man who washed up on the Isles of Scilly. Uh, so if experts are doing it, well, we're fucked, then, aren't we? We ain't going to find out, are we? Uh, February 21st, 1979, the body of an unknown individual rushed, washed up on Porth Minnick Beach. He was estimated between 40, 60 years old, had dark brown hair that was starting to go grey. He was five foot four and wore a blue and white shirt along with a woollen L-Tex vest. The only clue to his identity was a wedding ring that bore the inscription Giorgio and Katrina 1956. Despite the best efforts of local authorities, the man remained a total mystery and the case would end going up cold and end up going to cold for more than four decades. Now, however, a team of experts, including criminologists, police officers, academics, oh god, uh, and students, oh god, has reopened the case in, in as part of a new endeavor known as the known as the Locate Center for Missing People Investigations. Uh, they need to move mm. those letters around so it spells something. That'd be much better, wouldn't it? They do. Uh, which aims to help families track down their lost loved ones. Well, obviously, that his family have no lost loved ones because they weren't that bothered. Uh, the mystery no. of the man found on the beach on the Silly Isles has stumped investigators for more than four decades, but we're hoping that modern ways of communication, including through social social media might bring renewed hope that the conundrum that could now be solved determining the man is however will undoubtedly so so actually it's got nothing to do with finding out who the man is this story it's about shilling for a new organisation that obviously want funding god damn journalists god damn them all well, there's, there's two um, stories which involve roads which are a bit better. One of them I've sent you a link to, so maybe you could play the video. I don't think he even needs saying much. It's in Falmouth, and it's some oh, footage of something. Oh, yeah, I was just about something. to open that. I was just about to open that stuff. Yeah. Is there a video then? So Yeah, yeah, there, there's a video. I don't really videos, because they can be messed around with, can't they? Yeah, they can. So but read, read show the, bit the video to the audience. Read the th read the thing, then I'll show the clip. Uh, I don't want to read it. It's just like so far. Suffice to say, something spooky was seen on the road in Falmouth. Play the clip in America, in okay. Maine. Oh, that Falmouth. All right. Yeah. Oh, nice bit of rock tunage there. I'll play Ooh, the audio. Who bit. Who knows? Uh, there is a stone that looks scary, the Kingstone or something. I've been to the Kingstone. It, I don't. The thing I'd say about the Kingstone is you look at it from a certain angle, and it, it's like it, it curves around a bit, like a deep strand of DNA. But just showing it once more. Oh, that is weird. 
Yeah, I don't know what that is. Shadow. Oh, River mm. Seven says the story is the witch turned an old king and his knights to stone. I think there's a dolmen about um, half a mile from it, not half a mile, a bit less than half a mile from the stone circle, and it's called the Whispering Knights. So I've and got a question for you, Hobbit. How long has Seti been going on now? That's uh, a good question. Since yeah. the 70s, I think. Uh, right. So, finding ET. Do aliens even use radio signals? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Fifty years later, do aliens even use radio signals? God, damn no. fuck, scientists, fuck them, really. Is it almost a case of just like, well, you know, we got all this money involved in it, and we had the SETI at home project analyzing all this data. But um, you know what? Maybe now it's time to wind down the project because we don't have money. <laughs> it's just literally like, oh, we've been doing this fifty years. LOL. Do they do they even use red? Do they use Bluetooth or something instead? Mm. I thought they maybe the Wi-Fi. aliens. I thought Wi-Fi was given to us by aliens, weren't it? Oh, oh. Um, I don't know about that, but my dad's convinced that lasers and LEDs, uh, no, lasers, um, LEDs, and um, sorry, not LEDs, because even the very first diodes gave off light. Uh, lasers and trying not drop this thing. Lasers <laughs> and uh, tri triangles. No, uh, what's that component that has three poles? Transistors. Are alien technology and he, he, he reckons this because well a transistor based amplifier doesn't sound right whereas a valve amp does and I'm like oh, okay yeah you, you got a point there but um, it could just be something in the transistor have you been to New Grange no I've never even been to Ireland I mean I hear oh, it's, it's full of Irish yeah uh, but there's a number of dolmens, and there's quite a few sites near Newgrange, which are all all around there. Um, they, they're quite interesting, those ones. Uh, no, haven't, haven't been there. I wanted to go and visit the Karnak Stones, but apparently it's a quite a popular tourist area of France, and so um, hotels and such are expensive. I thought Karnak was in... Uh... Northern France. No, I Brittany. Thought, I thought Karnak was in uh, Egypt. Oh, the Temple of Karnak, yeah. but there's also Karnak stones in France. Uh, and the Karnak stones are the largest stone circle in the world. Yeah. The ones who get sent to do driver no, training get special. I want to read a couple up there. Cilius Sodders says, A mate of mine who was in the Royal Scots Borders service from Gurkhas, he said they were fearless but just mongs, basically. <laughs> <laughs> that, and then you read the one that you're reading now, and then that, the other one makes sense. Oh, they get special training because, yes, they are all mongs. And it's like, <laughs> it just reminds me of the chaplain in Dawn of War saying, Blessed is the mind too small for doubt. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think, I think we're up with all of uh, unexplained mysteries. Well, the, there is there, there is one brief one I wanted to say here, and uh, this was a genuinely interesting story. So I'm gonna it's revisited the mystery of the A3 ghost crash. I'm gonna give 
So if you want to just, uh, yeah, you can have a look at it there. So it says a chance sighting of a car accident by a member of the public spawned an urban legend that endures to this day. Britain's roads and motorways are certainly no stranger to tales of the unexplained, with stories of phantom hitchhikers and tormented apparitions being commonplace among some stretches of road. Oh, speaking of some unexplained mysteries, uh, the bog roll in the downstairs toilet here, like it's been put on, and like a day later, there's just like a few sheets left. Is that is that a vacant thought, guy living in your attic or something, Hubbard? Yeah, I'm starting to wonder, you know, the, the lentils are going missing. So, um, <laughs> one of the most peculiar such sightings occurred on December the 11th, 2000... No, the 11th of December, 2002, when a member of the public called the police to report a car accident. I will be talking about how the Americans are wrong with putting the month before the day later. A member of the public called the police to report a car accident. A vehicle had been seen losing control and leaving the road to, on the A3 near the emergency slip road at Burpham. Burpham, that's a good name. Where do you live? Burpham. Oh, okay, yeah, my aunt used to live there, but then she moved to Shitterton. <laughs> or was it Crapstone? <laughs> well, Bel- when police Bel- arrived Bel- at the... Yeah. <laughs> when police arrived at the scene, they were initially unable to find any sign of a crash. Therefore, it didn't take them long to discover a Vauxhall Astra in the ditch nearby, obscured by the undergrowth. Disturbingly, the remains of the driver were also found at the scene. What made the tragi- tragic discovery... Hang on, I need to re-read that sentence. Disturbingly, the remains of the driver were also discovered at the scene. Woo, now it's dramatic. What made the tragic discovery all the stranger, however, was the fact that the car and the victim had seemingly been lying there undiscovered for over five months. The deceased turned out to be a man wanted for a robbery that had taken place in July of that year. So the crash had occurred five months before. How did the witness see the car leaving the road? Could they have witnessed a ghostly replay of the accident? To this day, no definitive explanation has ever been found. At least it's a story with a happy ending. He was a wrong one anyway. Did did a burglary got done for it? Instant justice. That's that's the uh, that's uh, what they call karma. Yeah, yeah. That's you know the the Hindu justice system is karma. So yeah, bombings and such. They they. They're great. I mean, governments love them. Terrorists love them. Media loves them. Who doesn't like a good bombing? I'll tell you right now, this this year would be a lot more interesting if there were some bombings. I'd say the victims of it don't like it too much. Nah, but as we all know, those victims aren't real. They're just holograms. Yeah. Yeah. They're holograms. They're shape-changing reptilians. They're definitely not real. Just bunnies. And... Uh, I am definitely not being sarcastic here. This is 100% serious. You can tell by the serious tone of my serious voice. So, yeah. Stephen J. James has got a fucking cool laser. A custom-built 3 watts. He doesn't mean 3 watts. He means 3 megawatts or something. Yeah, it's a 3-watt laser. Okay. Blue, built by this German guy on laserforums.com, who makes the best shit for 350 quid. I imagine that's the sort of stuff you could burst balloons and light matches with. Oh, based. 
I was thinking of buying mm. one of those. Do they actually work? Well, anything above, uh, like, you, you can get one-watt green lasers, and they can cause blindness. Oh, yeah. Um, as the police in Portland are finding out. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised they're, they're not actually shooting the protesters. With yeah, Forza says actually... our blind delivery drivers were blind. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm just. Um, I'm thinking like this. This. This isn't related, but it probably will be related. I'll find a way of bring it into the tangent somehow. But there's these police in Portland, and they're told they're not allowed to use tear gas, tasers, rubber bullets, or concussion grenades on the right. Or is that off the table as well? Or no, because that could um, trigger that somebody. Well, I mean, if you use harsh language, depending on what the harsh language is, you could be suspended without pay. So, harsh language definitely off the table, mate. Um, oh, it sets, yeah, I'm just it thinking, sets stuff on fire from across the yard. Oof. There you go. Yeah, it's, uh, it's you got yourself a, a nice and uh, dangerous firelighter there. Oh, it's, um, it's laserpointerforums.com, he meant to say. Yes. I'm, sh I'm sure that's legal. Are we sponsored this week by laserpointerforums.com? Well, I was going to say we're sponsored this week by Patriotic Alternative. It's T-Rific. T-Rific. Mummy Towler's yep. tea. Didn't we have an idea for a Mummy Towler's project? I can't remember what it was. What's it? Is she actually making tea or are we just memeing that? Well, no, she's making tea. She's had the samples, apparently. All right. Well... I, I'm I'm saying I, I'm sponsored oh, I'm, I'm by. Still, I'm still streaming to Periscope, but no one knows where it's popping out. And I haven't seen it, <laughs> so I'm just. I, I want to say that I am. Uh, I'm. I'm brought to you today by Mark Collett's Rich Tea Biscuits and Extra Mature Cheddar Cheese. Um, so yeah, we. We need to sort of, oh yeah, about those Portland police. They're not allowed to use all of the things I mentioned. However, there's no exclusion on using like actual bullets fired from guns. So maybe that's how they will de-escalate the rioting situation. We shall see. But yeah, um, a load of fun stuff happened. One of those things that happened is the Americans doing this meme to try and get us to say the month before the day. When they'll go, September 11th, never forget. Um, you know, the Twin Towers, don't forget those. Um, Building 7, forget that one, though. But the thing is, before that day, on the 10th of September 2001, some interesting things happened. Uh, the interesting thing mostly being about, um, what's his name? Rumsfeld. Donald Rumsfeld. Especially Rumsfeld, I think it is. Yep, so I'm, I'm going to, I've got used to a website, um, I'll post that because I'm going to be reading bits from this. And it says, Recall, Donald Rumsfeld chose the date of the 10th of September 2001 to announce that a Pentagon audit, ordered by Undersecretary Don Sackheim uh, and conducted by a Halliburton subsidiary. Halliburton was a good, reputable company, weren't they? Oh, yeah. Nobody had anything. Very busy. Very busy, too. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember yeah, I was planning to work the first for... people to get a contract after the fall of Iraq. So yeah, I was going to say, I, I applied um, to work for Halliburton, but that didn't come through, so I ended up working for Mossad instead. Or is it GCHQ? I can't remember. Um, 
You see, uh, conducted by a Halliburton Burton subsidiary, had discovered that the Defense Department can no longer account for $2.3 trillion in the past transactions. Um, I mean... They're just good at business. What more can I say? Yeah, what what can you buy with $2.3 trillion? Can you buy a lifetime supply of bog roll with $2.3 trillion? Could 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 you could you make a house out of bog roll for two point three trillion dollars? Probably could, and then knock it. Down. Could you buy an entire country and then bury it in bog roll for two point three trillion dollars? But anyway, two point three trillion dollars. So this matter was presented by CBS as a question of waste and incompetence. Is it possible to lose two point three trillion under a couch somewhere? It had only been covered by PBS in February 2001. Interestingly, the Bush administration did not seek to place any blame on the Clinton administration for the missing assets, which would prompt questions about how much of the shortfall was invented in the course of the audit itself. One day after Rumsfeld's admission of, of the 10th of September, the mother of all scandals in the making disappeared from the corporate media's vision for good. Yeah. Well, it, it is. I mean, where else do you know where you've got, like, a government budget and it's like, oh, yeah, we can't account for $2.3 trillion. Um, it must be around here somewhere. Um, uh, let's let me see. So the thing is, I could go on reading about that, and I could read about PNAC, which is the Project for a New American Centuries, Rebuilding America's Defenses. Um, I could read all, but suffice to say, the day after the 10th of September, something happened, and um, it happened completely how they did, and uh, we, as we know now, the most durable material known to man is not diamond, it's not uh, graphene lattices, it is in fact Saudi Arabian passports, which is why I'm making a bulletproof vest out of the Saudi Arabian passports. Yeah, they're pretty. Uh, so, they're pretty hardy, though, aren't they? Nothing is as sturdy. Well, the only thing which is as sturdy as a Saudi Arabian passport is the Pentagon's lawn, because this plane, which we're told crashed into it, we don't know what crashed into it because all the footage has been seized as a matter of national U.S. security. Um, the lawn, no scorch marks, no furrowed ground, no nothing, and I'm just like. My God, I so much as look at my lawn and the grass starts to go muddy. I mean, what, 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 what amazing, like, secret military technology have they got on their Pentagon lawn which can make it indestructible? Where you've got this plane that's, like, punched through multiple layers of reinforced concrete, conveniently destroying all the accounting information in the Pentagon. Whoopsie-doopsie. Oh, that was a bit of an unfortunate thing. Of all the places this object could have struck the pentagon it just happened to be in the the auditing department where all this evidence about the 2.3 trillion missing dollars went oh well never mind i'm sure that's just a co coincidence oh and also but, uh, yeah the enron files were in uh... building seven yeah which we're going to get onto in a bit i, I mean we're not going to do an entire episode about uh, the events of that day, because the thing is, there's there's other bombings which happened as well, and similar things happened with them. Now, um, the fact is, yeah, there was accounting information in Building Seven about Enron, which was lost as well. So it's just it's it's just a bit of convenience, you know, a bit bit of interesting stuff, yeah, and then of course you got happen, don't they? yeah, and then of course you got um, what's his name, um, 
Larry Silverstein trying to make two insurance claims for the two uh, buildings which were struck by planes. Well, you know, it's just, it's just paper, it's just... Yeah, because, you know, I mean, it's, it's two separate incidents, right? It's... You, you can claim twice. As I've been watching. I've been watching a lot of. Uh, do you ever watch Screen Run, where he does the uh, pitch meetings for movies? It's the. I'm gonna. I'm, oh. The bear, he goes. I'm gonna need you to get all the way off my back on this one. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know the fact that Larry Silverstein was trying to claim twice on this insurance. I mean, an insurance pre, uh, policy which he took out a couple of weeks prior because. Wow, I mean, he just was a very prudent, shrewd businessman. It was, ah, right, it was good okay. for you. I, I figured out. Why yeah, I figured out why periscope's not working. The maximum allowed bitrate is 160 kilobytes per second. Oh, that's a bit shit, isn't it? I mean, uh, I mean that that's the sort of bitrate you see in those Coontown videos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that I've just found out why it's not working. After. And also, don't you have to have it in like portrait mode as well to show how how incompetent you are? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so yeah, so I won't be restreaming to Periscope because it's this guy. No, suffice to say, just like you know, the the YouTube link is on Twitter for those that don't know about it already. But yeah, so um, that that was a, an interesting thing, and then um, a massive Patriot Act got done, which the boomers at the time were saying, oh, this is just like Hitler's enabling act because there was a Reichstag fire and then he had an enabling act and then he became Chancellor for life. Um, no comment. Uh, but the thing is, after that time, shortly afterwards, in 2002, the one which people forget about is the Bali bombings. Do you, do you remember like those bombings in Bali, this place in Indonesia? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I remember the Bali bombing. That preceded it, didn't it? Uh, 2002. So the, the thing is, it's like um, people, uh, it's a popular tourist destination, especially for Australians. And I suppose the Australians just felt like, yeah, we haven't got anything to do with those Yanks. Then the Bali bombings happened, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess we have got something to do with this as well. Yeah, we, we too need to do the things like put microwave scanners in our airports and ask people to take off their shoes and have their balls grabbed by some fat, obese black man. Because that, you're just checking for terrorism, right? You, that's, that's why you need to squeeze my testicles. <laughs> yeah. So um, at, at 23.05 Central Indonesian time, so that's 5 past 11 to you and I, on the 12th of October 2002, a suicide bomber inside the nightclub Paddy's Pub, sometimes referred to as Paddy's Irish Bar, detonated a bomb in his backpack, causing many patrons, with or without injuries, to immediately flee into the street. 20 seconds later, a second and much more powerful car bomb hidden inside a white Mitsubishi van was detonated by another suicide bomber outside the Sand Club. A renowned open-air thatch roof bar located opposite Paddy's Pub. The bombing occurred during one of the busiest tourist periods of the year in Kuta Beach, driven in part by many Australian sporting teams making their annual end-of-season holiday. The two-local San Gala Hospital was ill-equipped to deal with the scale of disaster and was overwhelmed with the number of injured, particularly burn victims. There's so many people injured by the explosion that some of the injured had to be placed in hotel pools near the explosion site ease the pain of their burns. Oh, chlorine pool water on that's not going to be good. 
Many of the injured were forced to be flown extreme distances to Darwin, which was uh, 1,800 kilometers or 1,100 miles away, and Perth, which is 1,600 miles away, to specialist burn treatment. A comparatively small bomb detonated outside the U.S. consulate in Denpasar, which was thought to have exploded shortly. The two Kuta bombs caused minor injuries to one person and property damage was minimal. It was reportedly packed with human excrement. Oh, lovely. A report released in August 2005. Yeah, yeah. A report released in uh, August 2005 by United States Engineers. That's, that's what they did in, uh, did in Vietnam, weren't it? You know the punji, you know what punji sticks are, Hobbit? Oh, like spike picks uh, covered yeah, in, in to, shit. Yeah, they covered shit, covered them in shit, didn't they, to, to increase the... Hmm. So the investigators were able to recreate the bomber's activities, and Rosie Idris and Al Imram simply walked into a dealership and purchased a new Yamaha motorbike. Asking how much they could reset it for, they returned in a few days. Imran used the motorbike to plant several... Uh, place the small bomb outside the US consulate. Idris then rode the motorbike as Imran drove two suicide bombers in the Mitsubishi to the nightclub district in Kuta. He stopped near Sand Club, introduced instruction one suicide bomber to put on his explosives vest, and the other time the vehicle bomb. The first bomber headed to Paddy's pub. Idris then led the second bomber, who had only learned to drive in a straight line, to drive the van a short distance to the Sand Club. Idris picked up Imran on the Yamaha, and the duo headed back into Denpasar. Idris dialed the number of the of the Nokia to detonate the bomb at the consulate. The two suicide bombers exploded their devices. Imran and Idris dropped the motorbike at a place where it eventually attracted the attention of the caretaker. So that was a death toll of 202. 88 Australians, 23 United Kingdom, 7 for United States, and a bunch of other people from countries that don't matter. Um, so yeah, that was the thing. What was the, uh, what was, was there any, um, uh, 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 um, that's the word I'm looking for here. Was the the first, if I remember rightly, that was the first mention, uh, as, as they say in comic circles, it was first, first appearance Al-Qaeda, <laughs> as they'd, as they'd say in comic, comic circles. That's the first, I think, mm. as far as I know, it's one of the first mentions of uh, Al-Qaeda. Or I the may, database. I may, I may be wrong, but it's the first time I remember it being mentioned on the news. Mm. Yeah, because I think they just said with um, with uh, Osama bin Laden was uh, Taliban, yeah. and it's like, I mean, that was that was a weird thing. It was just like, oh yeah, we had to have a bunch of troops like already stationed in Pakistan near the Afghan border. Uh, just for like purely coincidental, and then when this thing happened, it's like, oh yeah, we definitely know it's Osama bin Laden, and um, don't ask us why we flew out the bin Laden family from the US when all other flights were grounded, but this one well, flight I, was the allowed. The first I knew of stuff like that is this is like I was like a bit of a uh, what's his name that fat fucking idiot Moore. What's his name? When he did bowl of bowl of Columbine. Oh, Michael Moore. Michael Moore, yes. Because I read his book... Oh, I can't remember which one it was. Fahrenheit 9-11? No, it was before that. It was... Um, oh, that, stupid it, I White think it was Men? Just stu stupid White Men, was it? I think. 
I think it might have been called there's Stupid quite, there's, quite, there's quite a lot about that in, in that, if I remember rightly. It's been a long while since I read that. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, it, 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 there was a number of things. It's just like instantly after 9-11, it's like, oh, yeah, Sam Bin Laden's definitely behind it. We need to arrest this man. So you go into a country, you invade it, you haven't left, even though Osama Bin Laden was declared killed, what, seven years ago or something? I forget when. Yeah. And uh, it was just like, you're right. So, you know, you said you're going in there to arrest one man and now you're fighting a war and you're still there. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> Talking of conspiracy again. theories. Have you read the chat? Stephen J. Claire, no, uh, further up than that. Claire Cor says there is a very real chance that Trump will pass the Enabling Act and institute secular Quranism in his next term. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Claire Cor eats cats. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what chat is saying. Crazy, crazy yeah. cat eating lady. What, 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 what's wrong with eating dogs? Is, is dog not enough for you? You've got to eat cats as well. Yeah. Um, See, so, yeah, I mean, there, there was, uh, you know, a lot of Australians died. Um, a lot of Australians wanted to kill every single last Indonesian man, woman, child, which, you know, is a reasonable response. Um, and, Do you think uh, that was the first brick in... Oh, God, I can't believe I'm saying this. Do you think this is the fir- that was the first brick in kind of uh, discrediting Islam? I don't, I don't know, really, because, I mean, Salman Rushdie came before with the uh, satanic verses, and I suppose that's critical of Islam, as they put a fatwa on his head. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, we got a memorial in London, there's a, there's a big granite ball um, next to a list of uh, dead, so you got Hello, that. Hello, Saw says uh, Trump will pass the cat eating bill of 2021. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah. Apparently, Claire Cor said she's gone celibate to channel her, her sexual energy into enlightening the masses. <laughs> so yeah, um, there's bombing. A lot, there's a lot of Claire Cor talk, hot and heavy Claire Cor talk tonight. Yeah, I know. I she uh, she 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 reared her head again, or um, well, but well, anyway. I don't want this to distract me from my important task. Yeah, I think, task was, I think Iron Duke's probably right. Whoever gave his that many credit, I don't think. I don't. I don't think. I mean, di, 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 turn it into the uh, into the enemy, basically. Unfortunately, Prince Charles gave it a lot of credit. He, yeah. he hangs around Oxford a lot because it's got the Centre of Islamic Studies, oh. which to me just sounds like a brothel where they rape kids. Yeah, but you know, that's never mind. Um, so, yeah, I mean, after that, I don't think much happened in 2003. 2004, there was an Iraq war. 2003, there was an Iraq war. 2005, it was it was our turn to have a go, and we had 7-7, which I thought was very diplomatic, because the thing is, the Americans can't just refer to it as July 7th. It's 7-7, and we can refer to it as the 7th of July. Uh- and, um, oh, 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 Hobbit, Hobbit! If, if you want me to, if you want me to, me to do a back of the net um, conspiracy yeah. theory for this, did it occur on seven seven so it could be put in Yank newspapers as well as well as over here and known as like seven well, seven? Yeah, seven, I mean, six or yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. By making it seven <laughs> seven, it was very diplomatic of, of the uh, of the planners, 
And uh, um, also, very interesting thing is, it, was it like four of the seven or maybe more came from Savile Town, which is a which is a, a place that we talk about quite a lot. Oh, well, what's Savile Town? Savile Town is the place where there are four thousand. Is it four thousand three hundred white people left, or even less? Than? Oh, okay. It's the. Do you remember the news article with the lady in the burqa selling ice creams? No, I don't. But oh, even Duck Duck Go is not that useful. I was trying to find um um. I'm typing in seven seven Muadib uh, bombing, but I can't I can't find it. There was a there was a documentary um, by someone who went by the name of Muadib on YouTube, which has probably been purged since then. Oh, so if anybody's can... the article there in, uh... I'll show I'll show what a place what a lovely place uh, Savile Town is to the chat. Oh yeah, I mean I thought you meant like Jimmy Savile Town. So there's like a lot of nonsense going on, but well, it's just is, but... brown people. So yeah. there's a lot of nonsense going oh, on. Oh sorry. I... I got my figures wrong. There are almost no white residents to be found in Savile Town, Yorkshire. Last census found only 48 of 4,033 people living there were white British. Uh, I feel sorry for those 48 people. Unless they're Guardian reading tosses, in which case they get what they deserve. So, um... Oh, Iron Duke says, check out the Real Crusades History channel on YouTube. Good channel. The Crusades were a counter-attack for hundreds of years of Islamic aggression. I mean, yeah, I, I was talking with Iron Duke uh, related, a few weeks ago. Related article, the Blackburn Halal Butcher has never served a white person. Yeah, not surprising. But yeah, a few weeks ago I was talking to um, Iron Duke about HMS Kingfisher, which was uh, one it wasn't really a stealth ship, but it was a ship which looked like it was unarmed. So the yeah, Barbary pirates, Savile Town area of Dewsbury. So it's the quite a few of the seven seven bombers came from Dewsbury. Is Dewsbury um, twinned with Shecklesburg? Dewsbury. It's D E W, as in the heavy Jew. Oh, okay, Dewsbury. Yeah. No, not, not, like, um, not like the not like the woman who who fell asleep on the synagogue steps and woke up with a heavy. Hmm. Hmm. But yeah, there, there was a there was an interesting documentary about the seven seven tax, and it was by Murdeeb, and it was on YouTube, but it's since been purged. If anybody in the chat knows what I'm on about or knows a link where they can find it, even a BitTorrent, let me know. I'll download it and I'll I'll, I'll mirror it um, probably on the Fourteen Words ch uh, channel, which you can watch the documentary, not documentary, sorry, the film. Last film Rick Mel was in called One by One, which is conspiratorial, and he, he's very serious in it. He plays a character called Ernest. But the reason I, I mention all this, yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, he, he's he kind of just he's a supporting role in this, which is unusual for Rick Mel. Well, we do need we do need to do that episode that me and uh, me and you, zero we're talking about we, we were going to call it uh, death at the bbc and the kind of strange amount of people that yeah and they just end up dead yes. um yeah because i mean the the thing is is i'm i'm not like 100 percent convinced rick mail was murdered but after seeing that film it kind of underlines the importance of one by one 
But back on to this, this, this documentary, the salient points I can tell you about the 7-7 bombings was uh, there was a counter-terrorism drill at the same time the bombings were taking place um, with the exact same scenario. So when the bombings were happening, the police response was uh, confused and delayed. Um, did, the bombs you, did, you also, know, did you know the 7-7 bombings took out an Israeli? Oh, that's very anti-Semitic. Oh dear! How how terrible! My heart bleeds. Um, most of the bombings went off in the tubes. However, not all of them. Uh, one of them went off in the bus because the the bomber got cold feet or something, and he went away. Uh, he got blown up, and one of the photographs of there was uh, one of these buses. Um, it had this poster on it saying. Bold, brilliant, darkly terrifying. It was like supposed to be some slogan for a, a theatre play at the time, but I just thought of all the words to have next to it, especially considering how um, it looked like it was a setup. That that to me just just it, that was a that was a PR piece. Um, interestingly enough, there was a, a Brazilian electrician called Juan Charles de Menezes. Oh, I just, I just up- found a hold on a sec. Uh, a spine, spine of I just found seven seven bombing spine of Dewsbury bomb plot ringleader blown under train. Hmm. Oops. Yeah. Don't. Well, so uh, uh, this, and unfortunately, I I can't remember much of the details about Juan Charles de Menezes, but apparently he had something to do with the seven seven bombing. Well, you know who was involved I want to in say, the shooting, don't you? Uh, no. Uh, Chris, now, now current head of the Met, Cresta Dick. Yeah. Yes. No, I do remember this. Yeah, because that's the was thing. Was she one of the squad, I, or was she control in? I think she gave control of it. No, here's the unusual thing. Uh, I mean, I think it's fairly well known that whilst the police in the UK are armed, um, and they all have access to shotguns, most of them don't go around with firearms. Uh, when Charles de Menezes was apparently, they wanted to arrest him for jumping a turnstile in the tube. So they chased after him and they shot him like 13 or 21 times in the back uh, on the tube. Um, so they executed him. And I believe he, being an electrician, was uh, the one they commissioned to make some remote detonators for the bombs. So the thing is, they say suicide bombers, but I believe they were... Uh, unsuspecting dupes the top yeah we're going to do a drill wear this backpack uh you're going to pretend to be a bomber well, there was a drill that day wasn't there well that, that's what that's why i mentioned earlier on that there was drills going on for the exact same thing there was, there was uh, on that drill, 9-11 there was a drill i know that as well wasn't there yeah the, well norad was doing a thing uh at the time where they were doing a drill pretending where uh commercial airliners were being hijacked and flown to buildings so when it happened, they were like, oh, yeah, this is just part of the drill. And it meant the emergency response and the interceptions didn't happen until it was too late. But the thing is, with the 7-7 bombings, I think it was in the case of, like, the bombers were going to various places, and then it turned out the drill was, oh, just kidding, it's not a drill, it's actually real, now you're, you're blown up. So I suspect that's why one of the bombers who wanted to get off from the tube, for whatever reason, didn't take his backpack off and that blew up on the bus. So we had that. Um, 
then I think Richard Reed came about from it. Oh, sorry, oh, just tying them back in. Richard Reed's a shoe bummer. Yeah. It's also, Before it's he got also onto a Richard Reed. plot, wasn't there? That's why you're not allowed to take drinks on. Well, this is the other sort of bullshit as well. But, but first of all, let's just go wrap it up. Like you mentioned, Cresta Dick was in charge of the execution squad, which is very unusual. Um, I mean, do you know any other, like, in in history where the police have, like, executed somebody in public? So I, I can't think of any... Um, uh, only innocent black men. Uh, yeah. What, where they, like... Pinned him down and shot him like twenty-one times in the yeah, back. Yeah, absolutely. And they do it to innocent black men all of the time. Oh, Uno says um, they shot him multiple times in the head as he was sat next to somebody. Uh, yeah. Again, I'm sorry that this is all based on like um, a documentary I saw a decade ago, so it's not fresh in my memory. But I think it's worth talking about because it, it needs to be not be forgotten. So, yeah, Richard Reed, the shoe bomber, came later, and then because of that, we're just like, ah, oh, well, you might have terrorism in your shoe, so you've got to take uh, your shoes Judy off. Judy Wood, I get the Judy Wood. Judy Wood is the material scientist and former assistant professor of medical engineering who believes the World Trade Center towers were destroyed by a directed energy weapon. Yeah, Judy Wood is... Um... Small, uh, long nosed tribe, so uh, she's talking shit. Judy, do you think Judy Wood is uh, disinfo? Well, look, put it this way when I watch those documentaries about demolition, because you, do you ever watch those those things like you know, they got like an old building site and they're rigging it up to blow up and they've put explosives on support columns, or if it's not explosives, they'll use thermite if it's steel to cut through it, and then you watch the building collapse in on itself. So my favourite nine eleven meme is that is the Gordon Ramsay one. This steel beam is so undercooked. What did you use, Jeff? (laughs) 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 I mean, this is the the, those buildings, um, World Trade Centers one, two, and seven, all fell in on their own footprint rather than having the top slide off, which is what I'd expect to happen. Did Building Seven also fall in like twenty minutes after the BBC announced it? It fell 20 minutes um, before. So, like, there was an announcer, and I forget her name, but she was talking about it. And it's like, in the video feed behind her, it was like Building 7 was standing. And then 20 yeah. minutes after she said Building 7's fallen, it's like, it's like, oh dear, I think somebody's got their scripts messed up today. Somebody's jumping the gun. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, um, that's, that's, a re- that, that's what you call a real scope. Okay. That is, somebody's it? jumping. Hello, me. Hello, you. Uh, yeah, that's what yeah. I'm just open up the feed because I couldn't see Celia Sodis quote. So, I one of the things you uh, sort of going back to uh, the the one by one documentary Rick, Rick Mel is they're saying they're talking about which way the tower should fall. Like if we, they're playing Jenga, and if you take out supports from one side, which way would it fall down? And you said, well, it falls down on its side. And it's like, would it fall down that way every time? Yes. What if it fell down straight down? Well, it wouldn't. Well, it did It did twice um, on the 11th of September. Uh, I mean, two, well, three buildings fell down. Two planes hit them. Three buildings fell down. All within their own footprint, like a controlled demolition would. And... Um, 
you don't need to say space lasers from space did it. It's just that we've got perfectly conventional technology. It kind of distracts from the fact that, well, look, three buildings in New York City came down and then we got the current world as it is because of that. 7-7 seven, seven well, happened. My, fa- my favourite bit of nonsense is like, well, there's too many people in fact, there'd be too many people. You know, it absolutely couldn't happen. And yes, the thing, that's the why thing is, everybody... though, you can't compartmentalise it all. That's, you know, the 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 guy the guys laying the charges get shot by another team who were told that they're all I don't know paedophiles or drug dealers or something, don't they? Or terrorists. Yeah, exactly. uh, but the other thing as well is just when they're sort of saying, "Oh, you'd never be able to hide such a, a vast conspiracy." It's like if only there's a historical precedent of hiding such a vast conspiracy, like the Manhattan Project. Yeah. Where what was it? Ten percent of the US's GDP was devoted to the project at one yeah. point, which is not an insignificant sum. Well, like two point three. That's the project, can't you? Uh, Jim Mars. Well, it's like Jim, point... Mar- Jim Mars said that said that the NASA NASA's all bullshit, and the uh, the NASA budget was just like a black budget that they used. Well, that's why I'm thinking the two point three trillion dollars. It's like. Would that be enough um, uh, money to build like a, a space force with with spaceships and space yeah. stations and pupil lasers like in uh, like in uh, Moonraker? Yeah, I mean it, it could be for all I know, but I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just thinking to myself like. What can you buy with two point three trillion dollars? I'm beginning to um, think it's not my favourite Bond film, but I think Moonraker is the most based Bond film. <laughs> it's it's pretty good, except for this, this kind of, this idea that he's he's trying to do IQ nationalism, yeah. and clearly he hasn't studied like regression to the meme. So you're just going to end up with a bunch of high uh, like. Hybrid mulatto beige people, which are all going to have problems with organ donation. Yeah, because I don't know whether you noticed one thing about Dax's, <laughs> Drax's crew. <laughs> oh, I thought I saw frizzy hair mulattoes in them and Asians. Have you and never stuff. watched? Have you never? Oh, you need to. You need to rewatch it. It's. Uh, it's. I've complete... seen Moonraker t- two or three times. I, okay, I'll rewatch it. But I mean, I re. I watched I'm all the Bond sure, films. I'm pretty sure they weren't. I'm pretty sure they were all pretty Aryan in uh, Moonraker. Well, watch it again. I'm pretty sure you, you, there's a pretty diverse cast in in this in this thing. It's uh, he is practicing eugenics, but it's a very what I call UN view of eugenics or oh, I, uh, I think he did make sure they only mixed together, though, didn't he? I don't think he allowed them to mix between. Well, the thing is, I mean, the best one the, to uh, look the at breed, it. The breeding, the I remember, I remember definitely that the breeding pairs were selected, weren't they? Uh, the the, the uh, Forza Blanquita says it's Coon Raker, so I think I'm right on this one. Well, I would oh, recommend Steve you. Watch- James, I think, knows quite a bit about Dr. Wood because he also says someone say Miss Wood is in fact a gentleman who develops a rather strong five o'clock shadow by 3 pm, but it is in fact an expert. <laughs> well, you know, either way, she, she's a. And Forza says she's a Coon t- Yeah. But no, this I think uh, I'll, I'll find you the link. Uh, Rob Aga did like a film analysis of Moonraker, and I thought it was quite good because he compares it to the book. And uh, I do sort of remember it's not like you know just just like an Aryan master race. It's yeah. it is diverse, IQ national. But yeah, the thing is, is so because of all these. Um, 
Oh, Tim Murdoch. You know Tim, Tim Murdoch, White Rabbit Radio. Uh, Dominic Morgul says Tim because Mur- Tim Murdoch talks about NASA quite a bit, and he said there's like a space mm. detente between the Americans and the you know they agree they agree to disagree about, uh, on space, don't they? So they they work together. But Tim Mur- Murdoch talked with people for years. He said by the end of last year that there's three trill missing. Don't know who they are. Mm. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I don't know what you can even do with that. I mean, like I said, one of the things they're saying about how Quiet and peaceful. That's what you can do with three two. Well, the other thing, space jetpacks. You remember when we were doing the Hollow Earth episode, and I was talking. There's like one of the schizo posts on four chances because it's really quiet at the moment. It allows um, uh, more accurate seismograph recordings of the Earth to be done, allowing the uh, the forces of good to see where the hidden evil bunkers are, where where they're doing all this weird devil shit and then they can go and infiltrate them um so the reason everyone's locked locked down is to keep things quiet so they can uh, they can more accurately identify where the bases are i like to think that is actually going on but we'll never know i guess um but back to these things so seven seven happened richard reed shoe bomb you gotta got to take your shoes off and then there was that ridiculous plot with a liquid bomb which just it's it's just not going to happen uh, the, I've seen various like chemistry videos saying like, well, this is how you can make a liquid explosive, and no, you can't just like carry a half liter bottle of Coca Cola or two half liter bottles of Coca Cola, shake them together, and now you've got an explosive. You, there's more to oh, it. Are they than saying that the, the, the towers took down with Coca Mentos? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, that's a bit. That's a bit of a stretch. But suffice to say, you know, the, the, do you remember the idea of it was a big enough bottle of coke and enough Mentos? I reckon you could probably blow up the twin towers. Yeah, you probably could. I mean, uh, but the idea was, is like, you, you need plenty <laughs> big. One. Well, it, it needs to be more than five hundred mils, or is it a hundred uh, milliliters you can carry on the plane? But. Suffice to say, the, the idea was it's like, oh, he had two 500 mil containers on him and that made a liquid explosive and it could have blown up the airplane even though it didn't. Do you think they just watched, um, is it Die Out with a Vengeance? And then they, oh, that's yeah, a thing. I've seen that's Die Out with a Vengeance, now it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, you know, the Die Hard with a Vengeance was just like, hey, you know how epoxy resin does this? What if there was a cool explosive which did the same thing? It's just like, yeah, but there, there's not. It, it doesn't happen. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the only liquid explosive I can think of is nitroglycerin, and good luck not having that explode as the baggage handlers slam your bags around. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's just, it's a load of bollocks. And it, again, it's... The thing is, more and more these these things are being done. It's just like, well, the public's accepted this new f- hope we got them to jump through. Now we'll say, yeah, we'll ban gatherings of more than six people. So yeah. I'm hoping that Border Force would just go, how many uh, are you uh, doing uh, it? Aren't no, more- uh, apparently transmissions are right, it, transmission rates are different. They're depending on whether you pay to go to the event or not. So if you pay to go to an event... yeah. You're absolutely fine. Whereas if you're at home with six and I guess people, if you're the in transmission rates just go up through the roof. If you're an illegal immigrant packed cheek by jar and there's fifty of you on the rubber dinghy designed for six people, yeah. that's okay. 
I mean, gatherings of more than six people are now illegal in the UK. So Border Force needs to let them know that they will be fined if they enter the UK illegally. But at the same time, as they got no documentation, we'll provide them benefits and money so we can find them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it, really. Um, bunch of bunch of bombings happened. It's all false flag. It's all it's all you know government doing stuff. Uh, I reckon if there was an actual false flag, the reaction. No, if there was an actual like proper bombing, I think the reaction would be very Fucking different. Hell. Um, who know a card came just said Stephen J James point your laser at a lithium at one eight six fifty battery one hell of a bang lol. <laughs> I I have some of those bat- batteries they 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 use them in vaporizers and torches so yeah uh, yeah 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 I yeah did see, I you can see someone do something to her um is it an iPhone battery where it goes up like a rocket yeah I would do a lithium can can burn quite explosively. But that's the thing, really. I, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to rack my brains now. I'm thinking to myself: Is there a terrorist attack that happened recently, which just didn't seem? Well, there was like that. Do you remember that one when they were going through laptops, where they were saying that laptops had? Oh, well, you could take out the innards of a laptop and then you could replace it with explosives. Yeah, so they were making pretty... people turn their laptops on at the. Uh... Yeah, uh, I don't really remember that, and that that seems to have that seems to have passed now because I've been um, on holiday before and I've seen people with laptop bags on it. They've not asked them to turn them off or on. Well, the, you, you get like you get a lot of fashions in terrorism, don't you? <laughs> well, <laughs> you, yeah, you used to, you used to be there to take your toothpicks off you in case you uh, in case you held a whole whole. Um... <laughs> in, mm. in, in case you, you held a whole plane ca- uh, hostage with a you know something to clean the clean the nails with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because that's but possible, I, 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 isn't it? But airports are such absolute bullshit as well. Um, I the, the, I don't get any sort of uh, ha- well. I mean, you still do get hassle, especially if you carry like a lot of booze back with you if you go in the ports, but. It's so much simpler just getting on the ferry than it is on the plane that I wish there were like more ferries to places I wanted to go to. I know I, know um, I keep banging on about this, but do you ever, do you ever watch uh, Border Force, the Australian customs programme? It's like, I swear uh, to God, those people are so fucking racist. Because what happens is like, my, white, my, white couple go go through with a couple of bananas they've accidentally left in a in a, in a rucksack. Get fined six hundred dollars. You'll get this this Chinese person where they're pulling out plants, uh, dead animals, half dead animals, animals. Uh, mouldy animals, uh, bits of root with fucking insects on it, and they'll find them about two hundred dollars. <laughs> it's just fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I, I have I have seen border force. And occasionally, the, you know, they got people. It's like, why have you got all this money? Where are you going? Where's your green card? Who are you staying with? And it's just like, really, with these people, it's just like, look, you can't speak the language. You don't belong here. Go out. Get out. We'll take your money though, because you know, but everyone's just saying like, oh, this will be a threat to the tourism. No, I, just I think like you have to the border. Get a bit spicy because Stephen J James just said, "Dear feds, I don't know these people." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, just just it's it's all right, guys. There's this there's no intelligence here together. I'm 
I speak as a fed myself. Uh, you know, that's why I get to talk about liquid explosives and YouTube channels saying like, this is why it's bullshit about liquid explosives or a bloody shoe bomb for fuck's sake. I mean, the thing is, oh, the it's a good thing bomber. that we forgot the underpants bomber. Germany underpants bomber. Is that why your balls have to be squeezed? Yeah. Because there's <laughs> the underpants I mean, bomber. Oh shit! I'm gonna have to get I need that to, story. I now. just, I need to, I need to check your testicles for terrorism. <laughs> um, was it? Oh, I need to check. Lewis, Lewis Black used to do a great bit about how shit the TSA were. I mean, it's a good thing Richard Reed didn't decide to like put like a bomb in his in his ass because then it'd be like anal cavity search for everybody because uh, okay, you don't I know. Found it. Uh, so underpants bomber failed in mission to blow. Oh no, I've got, I've got to show the picture of the geezer, and you know why he failed. So I mean, just think about it. It's like, oh, you might have a stick of dynamite up your ass. It's like, yeah, I might have a stick of dynamite up my ass. Or alternatively, I could be boarding this Ryanair flight to do terrorism. Get away with it because hmm? no one ever checks women, do they? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not I even going to say that. Umar Abdul Mutalab. Oh, give it, give it to us. <laughs> Umar give, Abdul give it to I'm, I'm good at speaking foreign, Mark. Give us, give us the link. Go on. Uh, give, uh, give it us. I'll, I'll say it. His, his name's Abdul Nons Kebab Kebab Abam. <laughs> Not Abdul Nons Kebab. Yeah, um, have you figured out how he why he failed now? Oh, actually, no. His, his name's Abdul D Jamal didn't do nothing. Yes, Abdul Jamal did do nothing, was on a suicide mission when he attempted to detonate a bomb in his underpants as the plane approached Detroit. The bomb, however, failed to detonate aboard his flight, which is carrying nearly 300 people. Head of the Transportation Security Administration said the bomb failed to detonate because how long um, didn't do nothing? I've been wearing underwear. So the dirty... <laughs> it's like the di sweaty ballsack destroyed the bomb, did it? <laughs> So, so the dirty coom is like, hmm, shall I wear my terrorism bomb on the day I go there to make sure nothing goes wrong with it? No, I'll just happily walk around with these, th my dynamite pants, you know, just, just as I go bumping and grinding in the nightclub. Yeah. The notorious underwear bomber's plot in 2009 to blow up a plane on Christmas Day fell because the explosive became degraded after he wore the same pair of underpants for two weeks, oh, according to a US two official. Weeks? Jesus Christ. <laughs> The absolute state of these people. Uh, Ni Nigerian Nigel Abdul, I didn't do nothing, was in a suicide mission when he attempted, he literally didn't do nothing, <laughs> attempted to destiny oh, a bomb oh in his... Oh, God, read the next paragraph. I will, get in there, just, just, just slow down. <laughs> it was on a suicide mission when he attempted to detonate a bomb in his underpants as the plane en route from Amsterdam approached Detroit. The bomb, however, failed to detonate aboard the flight, which is carrying nearly 400 people, but caused a brief fire that caused burns to his groin. Ooh. He was sentenced to life without parole in February the 2000. Great balls of fire. <laughs> Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. <laughs> Uh, he was sentenced to life without parole in February 2012 after he pleaded guilty to all charges on the second day of his trial the previous October. The head of the Transportation Security Administration said, this week the bomb failed to detonate because how long 
Um, Abdul didn't do nothing and been wearing his underwear. Wow, I'm sure did you not read that the, Did you not read the uh, thing from Mr. Pistol? Uh, you need to read a bit oh, further. Yeah, yeah, the, quote, the quotes hilarious. are funny. The quotes are hilarious. John, John Pistol, or also known as Jean Pistolet, told the Aspen Security Forum the bomber had the device with him for over two weeks. Mr. Pistole was then asked whether the bomb had come damp, to which he replied, let's say it was degraded. <laughs> During, his trial, <laughs> During his trial, Mbong did nothing, said the bomb in his underwear was a blessed weapon to avenge poorly treated Muslims around the world. Oh, boo-hoo. Ooh, I, after think it, I think his blessed weapon weren't much use after, after that bomb failed to go off properly. No, no, it certainly was not. Um, oh, man. I, I'm sorry. There, there's a video playing in the background saying, Merging truck car collides with a truck on the bridge. Uh. Hilarious. During his trial, um, Mbongo didn't do nothing. Blessed <laughs> weapon. After the bomb failed to detonate, passengers pounced on... And forced him to the front of Northwest oh, Airlines flight no, two by look three. At it. There, the pants, the, the pants are there. The picture of the pants is there. Where the plane landed, mid picture so of the pants. Fucking hell! A picture of pants that have been worn for the past two weeks. Oh. <laughs> is it? Is that I like know. scorch marks or skid marks? I can't tell. <laughs> I don't know. Further investigation. I, I don't know about you, but to me that just like I don't think there's enough material there to cause like anything. I mean, so, literally, all he's going to do is blow his testicles off. That's about all it's going to do, isn't it? The thing is, if he had done this like uh, in, in an apartment somewhere, like a few years later, he'd been called stunning and brave for like um, being <laughs> like uh, tranny. Is, is it um, Mrs. Umbongo didn't do nothing? Yeah. And then I can't read the next bit because there's a whole bunch of like uh, stuff which is in the background. Uh, the formatting is wrong. And now that video about the colliding car merging into the thing is, uh, is he gone. He told investigators that his mission was improved after a three-day visit with his mentor. <laughs> Al, 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 Al Laki uh, and the bomb maker were killed in a US drone strike in Yemen in 2011, just day, days before Abdu didn't do nothing's trial. At the time, President Barack Obama publicly blamed Al Awaki for the ter ter terrorism plot. So that's that. Did you not know about the underpants bomber then? I've actually taught you something about bombing. I, yeah, no, I forgot about the underpants bomber. It was just, it's one of those sort of stories that's so absurd. It's it's why I want to talk a bit more about the film Brazil, which um, maybe I'll rewatch at some point. Um, but the, you, you know, in the film, like he's meeting his mum for dinner and. Is it the? Is that the film where like uh, the Death Squad come in and they they shoot they that's they're trying to go for him? London. No, that, that's that's a dream sequence. But I think it's in Brazil. There's like a Death Squad and they're going to come kill him. But the reason they're going for him is actually a typo. They were supposed to go for a family, but they got like one letter on the name wrong. Oh right. So. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's like the plot of Brazil. I can't really remember it. And there, there seemed to be like the subplot in it, like... Um, the yeah, is, it, is it the plumber or something? The plumber's like the head of the resistance or something. 
oh, there's, there's a plumber terrorist, but he's not a terrorist because of anything like that. It, it, because he um, he repairs leaky taps without the proper approval and consent forms. So he'll just go and repair them without actually doing any of the paperwork. And ah, right. that, that's ter- terrorism, the thing. But yeah, the thing is, the protagonist in the film goes and sees his mum, and there's like bombs going off in flower pots near them. And they just sort of carry on nonchalantly, like, oh, yeah, you know, it's just another bomb. It's nothing to get worried about. Um, and I feel this is much like the bombs which are going off these days. It feels like we're in Brazil. It's just, you know, if you if you try and do something like build a staircase, the council will take it down. You remember that story of the man who built a staircase for, like, £100? And the council said, no, it's going to cost at least 18000 so he built it for 180 pounds. Good-looking staircase, like solid wood, good carpentry skills. They tore it down like immediately the day afterwards and find him. It's like, but he just made a staircase. Remember that? I remember that one about the guy that built the house, but he put loads of uh, hay bales up around it because there's the yeah. planning consent loophole about two years, isn't there? Where if something's been up for two years, you automatically. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I must admit, when I was um, thinking I, I, I could make my own house, I was looking at hay bale construction because it was cheaper than brick. No, he didn't. He, no, he didn't build it out of hay bales. He covered the house up with hay bales because he was like that. He obviously had that kind of money. He was on a farm or whatever. So, so he had oh, nice. hay bales surrounding the house, built the house, and then tried to hide it for two years. Just hiding a house under some straw. Yeah. For two years, yeah. But I mean, there's there's probably other stories where like. Oh, that's an interesting question. Ca- what better rep- represents UK bureaucracy, Brazil, or the Hitchhiker's Guide? Well, the uh, the the Vogons are kind of very much a kind of satire of British bureaucracy, aren't they? Yeah, they are. It's like what you're bulldozing our planet to make a bypass well if you objected to it you should have gone to your local star clusters notices board and you see we put the notice up two weeks prior so you had plenty of notice oh by ray says the 12 monkeys is better dystopic fiction yeah i mean uh 12 monkeys i'm not sure i want to watch that with the, the current plague this plague it's the most deadliest plague in human history and it's a disease so bad that you might not even know you've got it. That, that's well, how it's serious it camouflaging is. camouflaging itself into being a mm. thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but as long as you make gatherings of less than six people, you'll be all right. Mm. Unless you go to a concert, that's absolutely fine. Or a riot, that's also absolutely yeah, fine. That's a, yeah, that's, that's not right. Or if you go to a supermarket... Where you know you're cheek by jowl with people because they they seem to like be two meters ahead or in front of you, but they'll just pass shoulder by shoulder if they spot something on the shelves which they want. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's a bit of shit in it. So right, are we going to do a short show tonight then, Hobbit? Well, I think, uh, is there a positive note on this stuff? Yes, there is. So the, the point I wanted to make about this is it's that time of year again when people need to start talking about, like, hey, uh, our world's completely changed because of these ridiculous things. And the fact is to realise that it's political theatre. 
um, it's designed to make you very serious and unfunny because serious and unfunny people the system can manage. They don't like humour. And just look at all the other people which are opponents of us. If you start laughing at them, they get really angry. So just keep on laughing and just realise that it's a fucking joke. That's it. I'm done. You're done. We're done. So that's it. We're done. We'll hey, be back chat, just briefly, if anybody finds the Muadib documentary about 7-7, please go on the 14 Words uh, Telegram channel. Can you remember how you spell that? 7 7 no, documentary. Muadib Mo, Mo, is like Muadib in um, June. Uh, Paul Atreides gets called Muadib. So. Uh, uh, right, okay. Oh, so Muadib was yeah. the YouTuber. Yeah, and I, again, I just I don't know what he called his documentary. It was just 7 7 documentary. And when I type in 7 7 documentary, all that comes up is BBC's whitewashing of it. So. So, yeah, if, if any of you guys know, let me know. Let my friend Fremen on the Sand know. Um, let Hemi know. Just just get a message to us somehow, because I'd like to watch that documentary again. On the positive note is that 37 is winning, so Iron Duke is right. It, we, we are making inroads and making waves all over the place, and uh, it's, it's doing the right thing. I'm, I'm hoping we can get a proper bona fide British nationalism, which isn't simping for Germany or pretending that history began in like 1939. Oh, oh, Uno, a card game says Hobbit. It was on Richard D. Hall's site. Oh, nice. He, he said, Stephen, yeah. Stephen J. James also said Richard Hall's website might have it. Yeah, okay. What's that? Rich Hall. Let's it's Rich Planet, isn't it? Oh, Rich Planet. I think it's richplanet.com. Richplanet.net. Yeah, I think so. Ah, uh, there we go. Yeah, okay. So let's see if I can if I can find it. Oh, good. Search TV shows. Let's see if what happens if I type in just seventy-seven. Seventy-seven ripple effect. That's what it's called. The truth behind the two thousand and five London bombings. Thank you very much. Thank you, chat. Well done, chat. And I think we're gonna peace out there. Yeah, yeah. I owe.